1: Second period. Welcome in to Vegas. Welcome into Vegas, Vegas Hockey Hotline. I'm Jason Plathes. Poth. You're filling in for Brian Blessing. He needs a couple of days off, so we're going to fill in and uh, have some fun here today. You can find all my work at Simbinda Vegas alongside Ken Bulky, And uh, we're going to have some fun chat with a couple of guys that uh, know some hockey across the country, so we'll, uh, we'll jump into that in a little bit. But let's talk about last night's game a little bit. So... It basically comes down to You could really read into things And get frustrated about last night's win And and even going back to the Jets loss uh, Sorry, they lost last night So uh, back-to-back losses You can really get into it And, you know, be a little frustrated at times Because let's be honest I mean, the Golden Knights they re- they didn't really show up for the first 20 minutes. They couldn't get the, the, the puck out of their own zone. It was clearly a problem. Uh, thankfully, Logan Thompson, in his uh, debut, he was brilliant. And, uh, you know, he kept them in the game. It was a 0-0 tie after one. You know, I, I knew that Nashville would continue to pressure, and they did. But I thought after the first period in Vegas had sort of, you know, waded them, themselves through it to... Hold a scoreless tie. I, I actually thought Vegas was going to score uh, either the first goal or at least get one in the second period to make it tight. It, it was it, it was kind of disappointing because it's another game where they ran out of time. Right, you know they didn't have anything going on early. They put themselves in a hole and then they they scratch and claw with late you know late in the game and they find themselves in the game with 28 seconds left whenever, uh, you know, that that last flurry was. I, you know, like I said, you can get frustrated, or you could just say who cares. It's a regular season game. You know, this is a very good team. We all know they're making the playoffs. So they're going to have off nights, right? And I think last night was one of them. You could argue that last night was an off night for a bunch of guys. You know, you know I... I Alex Petrangelo works so hard, he's relied on so much out there that, of course, he's going to be on the ice for mistakes. And last night it happened, and uh, him playing with Shea Theodore a lot, they were used a lot in different situations. Shea Shea wasn't his best last night. He had uh, a couple of moments where I thought that he, he should have shot the puck, and I don't know what it is with Shea. You know, a couple games ago we see him score two, and and I think he needed that. I thought that was big for him, for the team, and frankly for the fan base. I know that some people have been down on Shea over the past year and a half, but I think last night there were a couple of times where he had open shots, and he finds a way, he's looking for that pass, and the pass ends up being a lower percentage shot. Um, So, I, you know, I wonder what's going on there. I personally, I think Shea Theodore is is, and I know Brian will back me up. You guys have all heard Brian talk about, you know, his uh, appreciation for Shea for five years now. And I think we all have it. But, you know, when it comes down to it, you really need Shea and you need Petrangelo to be. You want them to be even by the end of the game. You know, if they're out there for, for an opponent's goal, you want them to be out there also for when they score a goal. And if they're going to be used that much, which, I mean, Petrangelo is going to be used that much, and that's one of my concerns throughout the whole season, is that will this guy be at his best in the postseason? Because they they were just using him, I mean, up and down, 27 minutes a night, 28 minutes a night. This is... This is something that obviously they went out and bought and paid for. Uh, you know his his ability to be able to to log heavy minutes and and uh, contribute from both sides. Uh, but frankly, I think he's their most important player. And uh, you know, with all the other injuries, and you know, I, I think you need to keep him fresh. We'll see what happens down down the stretch. I mean, at this point, there's no, really no reason to be too concerned because they need to use him. Obviously, because of injuries, and they need to continue to win games. But, again, like last night, it's a regular season game. You lost to a pretty decent team. Uh, you know, I think Nashville showed, uh, I, I think myself and, and a lot of Golden Knights fans, that they're a little bit better than than we expected. You know, Nashville, the first time Vegas played them, it didn't really seem, they, they didn't really seem like a team that could match up well in the postseason with Vegas, but... You know, last night they showed they could. However, let's keep in mind. You know, no Stone, no Pacharetti, no Martinez, no no uh, Robin Leonard. I mean, these things are all uh, these are all very important players. That if the Golden Knights are planning on going on to win the Cup, they need to be healthy and just prepared. Obviously, when it comes down to it. Eichel will be there as well. And we'll get into that later. I'm going to bring on Mark Linehan later. Uh, he's a color commentator for BU Hockey, Boston University Hockey. He was there during the Eichel year. Only one year Eichel was there. Remember that. So, And I know people uh, like to say that Eichel's never been in the postseason, and he's never uh, played in a big game. But, you know, I mean, that's, uh, let's give him some credit. He played in, in the national title game at BU. They lost. Uh, to Providence it was, a, it was a difficult game But uh, BU was definitely The favorite They were supposed to win However they lost So we'll get into that With uh, We'll get into that later With uh, Mark Linehan Let's go to the phones Actually Mike how you doing man It's uh, good to talk hey. to you How you doing
2: Well, great, great. I always look forward to you and uh, Ken dropping another podcast. Is that coming soon? Uh,
1: Yes, should be in the next couple of days. We're going to tape Goalie Interference tonight with uh, Mike McKenna, so that should be fun.
2: Yo, that's that's a great show. Yeah, people out there need to listen to that because there's a guy who's played the game and knows the game and has played for the Golden Knights, or at least been a part of it.
1: Yeah, and, so, and and he's you... not afraid. What I what we like and appreciate about Mike is, you know, he's not afraid to to discuss when things aren't going well for the Golden Knights, and, and then on the other side, he's he's quick to praise the Golden Knights. So yeah, I, I think he's a, a very balanced uh, voice out there, and uh, I appreciate you uh, listening, Mike.
2: Oh, that show is just tremendous, and and again, for people that don't know the show, it's called Goalie Interference, and it's part of your Send In podcast and mike says what's on his mind he's not afraid to say it like it is or like he sees it so i want to make sure that people tune that in tonight tonight sometime or whenever it drops um go ahead mike what's the, on your mind well the practice being canceled today was disappointing and enlightening all at the same time in that uh and i do i never see you at practice do you go to practice i do not i do not i have okay. in the
1: past but uh you know i mean It's practice, you know. I mean, you don't have much access anymore, so for the most part, you know, we're just, yeah, we're we're watching them skate around. And plus, I know guys like you and Ken go every day, so I could just pick your brain. (laughs)
2: That's true. And as as, uh, Alan Iverson famously said, we talk in practice. Practice. (laughs)
1: Yes, Yes, absolutely.
2: (laughs) At any rate, um, to kind of put a ribbon on this whole thing, what enlightens me about it today is that I'm told by number one fan cat that everything was locked down, windows were blocked, doors were blocked. That must mean, I hope, that a few of the guys are just about ready to take the ice. Is that how you see it? Or it
1: could mean that Eichel's finally here.
2: Oh, now that I I like,
1: I, I don't know for sure, but you know Kelly McCrimmon was on the broadcast, I believe. Uh, it was the Jets game in the second intermission. He talked about uh, Jack will be in at some point in January. Then they'll be able to uh, see him on the ice and reassess and, and and you know have a better timeline for when he'll he'll make his de- debut. So hey, I mean you know I appreciate the information from Cat. She always she always has it. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I also know that the, that the Rangers are about to practice there, or they, they just started practice there as well, So uh, up at CNA. Mm. So I don't know if they would black that out, but um,
2: eh, nice little nugget there, Mike. I appreciate it. Well, and according to the Rangers' locked-on podcast that they have, that every team has, uh, they think that uh, their number one goalie will start against us. And then Yorgiev will start in some of the other games. And they really have a one-two punch at goal that is outstanding from what I know.
1: Yeah, they do. And the other thing about the Rangers is, you know, they're fast. They're very skilled. And all their guys, all their talent is just Really having great seasons this year, and I think you know I think it's going to be a tough matchup tomorrow. I really do. I thought the first game in New York was a tough matchup. I, I, I thought Vegas was great coming back in that game, forcing uh, you know an overtime there and winning. Uh, I think tomorrow is going to be very emotional as well. Uh, well. We'll find out what happens. I'm sure the team will will give a nice video send off or, or welcoming uh, welcoming back for Gerard Gallant and Ryan Reeves. So you know it yeah. should be uh it should be an exciting game tomorrow in that regards very entertaining so hopefully uh you know i i again mike it's a regular season game against a non conference opponent. I think they're important games to win, but also if they if they end up losing them i'm not getting too upset because of all the injuries that are that are you know currently going on. And as much as I like Logan Thompson, uh, his performance last night, and and Laurent Bressois over the past few weeks, I still think Leonard needs to be in net for this team to be at its best. All right, thanks, Mike. I lost Mike there. Anyways, uh, so I want to bring on an old friend. You've heard him on this show before. And he covers the San Jose Sharks like nobody else. The the one the only Shang-Pang, from uh from Vegas Hockey. From San Jose <laughs> Hockey now. How are you, pal? Hey, pretty good. I mean, I know you've been on Vegas Hockey Hotline several times before, but now you got to deal with me.
3: <laughs> I am happy to do it. Uh Shangpang Hockey Buzz right here.
1: Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, that's how <laughs> I think that's how uh, most Vegas fans remember you and Speaking of Gallant, he, he, he's coming in while he's here today and playing tomorrow. And, he, you know, you had some, some run-ins at times.
3: <laughs> yes, we did. But uh, I think it's it's all uh, good now. Uh, coaches like me, including Peter DeBoer, actually, who I dealt with in San Jose. Coaches like me a lot more after I leave. <laughs> I actually saw Gallant uh, in uh, New York when the Sharks were there. Uh, and the Rangers uh, beat the Sharks at 1-0 uh, in that game at Madison Square Garden and shook uh, Turk's hand after the game, uh, after his press conference. Of course, I wouldn't have dared to have done that if the Rangers had lost. (laughs) (laughs) And that's probably the best thing I learned in my first year in Vegas. Uh, Don't mess with uh, Gerard Gallant at all after a loss.
1: Well, hey, we've seen him really fired up after a win. So, you know, it's it's funny with Gallant. We've always talked about him. He's 100% a player. Uh, that 's a coach now, you know, and and right. he 's a very good one, but um you know he 's and I think that 's what why players care so much about playing for him and and why they really you know give give out a full effort every night hey so so what 's going on with the sharks you know there 's you know at times you watch highlights and you say, "Wow, you know this team uh, they might shock, they might surprise people, uh-huh. maybe not like Anaheim is surprising people, but I think you know, I think at the at the beginning of the year, and, and if somebody said, you know, the surprise-specific team will be the Sharks this year, not Anaheim, I think a lot of fans would, would say, okay, I, I can see that. But they, they've kind of been topsy-turvy lately.
3: Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, they're just coming off where they are undergoing a stretch right now where they've given up 14 goals in the last two games. Oh. Uh, Um, And then if you go back to a couple more games past that, they've given up, uh, let's see, 23 goals in the last four games. Uh, Not a recipe uh, for success. Gave up uh, seven to Arizona last week. Gave up six to Detroit last night.
1: Uh, Is that, I mean, what are you looking at there? Is it it just poor goaltending, poor team defense? or, Or, I mean, is this something, is there something deeper than that?
3: I think the team is coming at kind of a crossroads in terms of uh, if they're going to play the way they need to to win games. They actually started off the season uh, surprisingly impressively. You know, uh, if you watched them last year when they played Vegas, uh, they turned themselves into a defense-first team this year, which is not what you would have seen last year from them. And through most of the season, basically up to the Christmas break, uh, their their goals against was two point eight zero goals against average, and that was. 12th in the league, I believe. And that's compared to last year when they were at 3.50. Wow! And it's not just uh, counting stats. Uh, you could see it in terms of just how they were playing, how they were protecting the slot. There's an emphasis on that. Uh, they weren't kind of going for the stretch home run passes anymore, the that forward who would stretch out and go for the breakaway. Uh, instead, this year, he was turning back and helping out in the slot. You can see it tactically in their play, too, and that's what they were – Wanted to do. And it was successful basically up to Christmas. Um, After Christmas, after that COVID break, uh, they've come out and they have been out of sorts. Um, It does start with the goaltending. Uh, James Reimer at the Christmas break had a 936 save percentage. Basically, he was second in the league at that point. And that erases, you know, with that kind of save percentage, you can play with confidence uh, with your system, right? Over the last four games, Reimer's save percentage has dropped from 936 to 916. <laughs> He's given up a lot of goals in the last four games. Of course, the goals against average has ballooned. And I think uh, they're at a point right now where, you know, the, what Bob Bugner wants from them is to get the puck in deep, uh, protect the slot. This is not fun hockey. This is not, you know, running the 2018-19 Sharks uh, uh, fun hockey. This is uh, boring. This is meticulous hockey. But it's also winning hockey, especially for this team that has some talent but is not, you know, is not talented like the elite teams in the league by any stretch. It's not talented like the 2018-19 Sharks. And so they need to, I think, play this way to, uh, to, to eke out wins, to get wins. And uh, last year they tried a little more of a, I think, offensive system, and it really had no success in, in so far as, again, you know, talking about some of the stats that we talked about, last year they gave up 3.5 goals against per game, which was, I think, second to last in the league. And they scored 2.6 goals per game, which is terrible, too. Uh, and uh, this year, uh, uh, at least up to the Christmas point I was talking about, right, they were giving up 2.8, which is a huge uh, improvement on last year's, uh, but they were scoring 2.6. So, essentially, up to Christmas this year, the Sharks are playing a lot better defense, and they were scoring the same, even though last year, uh, supposedly, they tried to kind of up their offense. So, anyway, I think they're at a cross point now, not given up 23 goals in the last four games. You know, are they going to buckle down and play the way that they need to to grind out, grind out wins, or are they going to chase offense and kind of lose this season?
1: And what do you – you've seen this team enough now. Are they resilient enough to turn this into something, maybe, you know – make a run at the postseason? Or, you know, is this just not a roster full of talent enough to make that push and squeeze in, you know, wild card one or two?
3: Yeah, you know, I think that's a, a good question that I can't answer right now. They definitely are better than they were last year. Um, Timo Meyer is having a breakout season, absolutely playing like an elite winger this season. Eric Carlson is enjoying a bit of a renaissance season. So those are two big pieces that weren't, really there or weren't playing their best last year that have kind of reemerged. And the veteran additions of Nick Benino, Andrew Cogliano, not much for in terms of the score sheet, but I think they've helped a lot in terms of getting the team to play sort of the right way on a more consistent basis. And of course, you know, Reimer up to Christmas was one of the best goalies in the league. So he had helped out a lot, too. And so those kind of, uh, kind of additions or improvements have made the team better. But is it enough? That's going to be a big question mark. Uh, do they have the resiliency? You know, this is, the, I guess, the first maybe big test for sort of their, quote-unquote, their identity that they tried to set uh, this year. And so can they rebound from this? Uh, if they do, then that will be sort of a mark that, yes, this team can. I'm not going to say that it's, it's a playoff team, but it's. I think they've shown that, that they can kind of hang around the playoff race all year. Um, especially in a, you know, I think a weak Pacific division overall. And so I think that they can hang around uh, all year. But again, though, if they, if, if things kind of go south um, and trade deadlines coming up and they trade, let's say, a Tomas Hurdle, then that kind of brings up a different equation for this team. And so I think we're very much in a wait and see mode with Hurdle, obviously, but also too with the team in general.
1: So you, you, you continuously bring up the 2018 2019 teams, full of talent, right? And mm-hmm. the, the one comparison is they were led by Pete DeBoer. Yep. What what has what has changed since DeBoer left? I mean, obviously there's some talent there that have, that have shifted gears. I mean, obviously losing Pavelski was was clearly, you know, I, I, not a mistake. I mean, you could say a mistake or not, but. It definitely changed, I think, from what we've seen of of the sharks after Pavelski. It changed. They they were different. They weren't as deep, um, and uh-huh. they didn't feel. They didn't feel, They just didn't feel like a winner. And you know, I, I don't. I don't want to put that all on DeBoer because obviously he had really strong runs with them prior seasons. But that last season, obviously, or jeez, I, I, what was it? Maybe uh, two months. Uh, before he was uh-huh. let go what what did they, what what did that team lose um wh- wh- what changed and what has changed since he he's he's uh here in Vegas
3: well not to give you the the boring answer but uh it's it is really talent. i mean that 2018-19 sharks team was loaded uh, they had Nine fifty. This is my favorite stat from from that year about this team. That they had nine fifty point scorers on that team, wow. not including Eric Carlson or Jonas Donskoy, because Carlson was hurt for a lot of that season, and Donskoy was playing a lot of bottom six minutes. So basically, that's how much talent they had. That uh, yeah, we have nine fifty point uh, scorers and <laughs> throwing Eric Carlson and Donskoy to the mix. Um, there the, no other team in the league had more than five. So that's how much offensive firepower that they had, and you know they could they could uh, overcome. Uh, Martin Jones' is sort of uh, declining goal thing. That's when Martin Jones' decline started that season in 2018-19. Um, and uh, so we go into 2019-20, you think, oh, well, you know, it's one year difference. It's one-off season. What what could have changed? Well, what changed was they lost a bunch of players like Gustav Nyquist, Jonas Donskoy, right? Uh, Joe Pavelski, obviously the biggest one, right? Uh, Eric Carlson um, didn't come back really uh, on his game uh, after groin surgery, uh, Joe Thornton got basically got old uh, in 201819 Joe Thornton was still in my mind uh, one of the best third line centers in the league uh, by the time we get to uh, the next season uh, 20 2019 uh, 20 there was a sharp drop-off in his game um, so those are a bunch of the kind of key factors that just sort of uh, that the sort of the uh, diminishing uh, of, of the of their talent undermining of their talent of their talent base because of cap reasons, and they couldn't, you know, they had to sign Carlton to a big contract, they couldn't afford Pavelski in part because they had given Van Der Kane a big contract the year before, just a lot of little things and, you know, coming up from the minors, they didn't really have any help uh, from from younger players at that point, and so I think that really is a big part of it, and what's changed uh, this year is this kind of but the team has, for the most part, bought into this defense versus system. Um, you know, everybody, including the most offensive players like Brent Burns or Eric Carlson, seem to have bought into it. But and they do have more uh, talent too this year. Be it like I mentioned, uh, Meyer and Carlson refining their game, and even the younger players. You know, the younger players that weren't ready in twenty eighteen uh, ninth or sorry twenty nineteen twenty. Uh, they're a couple of years older and they're kind of helping out a bit more uh, this year. Some of those guys have developed uh, also too, they have kind of surprise guys uh, from waivers or Europe guys that maybe no one was taken seriously uh, a, um, and uh, have turned into kind of a reasonable kind of uh, top nine forwards, guys like Jonathan Dolan, Alexander Barabanov, um Rudolf Balzers. So, They've been able to kind of find talent for cheap uh, in kind of uh, unusual places. And so I think that uh, the, the biggest change, I guess, from the Peter DeBoer era is actually, again, just that uh, they're starting to replenish their talent this year. And they have, I think, enough talent to kind of stay on the fringes of the race if they can. Keep playing the way that uh, Bob Luner wants them to do. Uh, but like I mentioned, I think that's in question mark because it's fun, right? To try to score goals. It's fun to try to play offense. Uh, you know, when your team goes down to zero, three, zero, you kind of think, oh, well, we've got to open it up to try to score. Um, and that's kind of a trap that I think uh, weaker teams uh, uh, fall into. And they kind of prove themselves to be weaker teams because they fall into that trap.
1: And, you know, it, it, there's comparisons there to what the Golden Knights are today. You know, I mean, this is a team, high talent, very expensive right. talent, um, and they are offensive. You know, I mean, the, the 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 quick rush, you know, getting the puck out immediately, getting it to turn into a three-on-two or, or even, you know, just even there, heading into uh, the, the opponent's zone and then just suppressing them. And obviously – you know, that's worked. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, DeBoer has one of the best records in all of hockey since he's he's been uh, the coach in Vegas, and I, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that, specifically because, like you said about the Sharks or other teams going down 2-3-0 and, you know, having to, to be forced to open it up to try and come back and, and tie the game, I think Vegas has this really strong ability um of uh, of not really of shaking off a 2-0 lead or or even a 3-0 mm-hmm. lead and and I, I got to give credit to DeBoer and I got to give credit to the leadership because you know they might have last night I mean the first period was horrible you know you you, you watch that game and and you kind of it was a 0-0 g- g- uh, scoreless tie after one but you just felt nothing from Vegas you know you you didn't see Not the effort, but they couldn't clear the puck. And you've seen hundreds of games where uh, the team can't clear the puck and eventually they're going to give up a mistake and and leads to goals. Vegas, over the past couple of games... Has really had uh, this, this great run at the end of the game, and and they were, they scored with eight seconds left to tie it to force an overtime against the Jets last night. They run out of time, you know, they score too late and they run out of time and lose three two to a, a fairly good Nashville team. So I mean, I, I think w- when it comes to this team, I think DeBoer really built that confidence uh, that they can climb back from from any hole. My right. my concern is is. What happens, okay, so here's one of the biggest concerns for all of fans, I'm not going to say just for me, is, is that Shea Theodore's game has sort of dipped a little bit, offensively, defensively, he just seems to be not as relied upon as prior to when Alex Petrangelo came here, and, and don't get me wrong, that is the answer of why Shea Theodore, his game's dipped a little bit, because Alex Petrangelo is now the guy, and frankly... You know, he he should be, right? The Vegas Golden Knights always say they go out and they address needs, and they went out specifically and they addressed uh, defensive needs, and they spend 8.8 on a guy who by far, is in my opinion, is their best player, most valuable player. Is, this, is it possible that the DeBoer system could not weaken, but almost, you know, hurt a defenseman uh, from their prior – you know, I don't. I don't want to say prior play because Shea. We've all seen Shea have mo- beautiful moments. I mean, this last night he had a great, just a great. You know, skating through traffic, typical Shea move. It, but is there something about DeBoer's system that you know maybe a defensive player doesn't end up performing offensively as they did in prior seasons?
3: No, no, no. I don't I don't see that at all. I mean, if you look at uh, the Sharks, at least, with uh, DeBoer, uh, Brent Burns had his very best seasons under Peter DeBoer. Uh, Brent Burns became uh, the shot machine. You know, his reputation for being that shot machine, uh, that sort of thing, right? That was because of Peter DeBoer. And that's because Peter DeBoer gave him the confidence and the green light uh, and would overlook some defensive mistakes and to let Brent be Brent. And that led to a uh, Norris Trophy and a Norris Trophy finalist finish in uh, – in uh, Peter DeBoer's uh, second of last year with the Sharks, 2018-19. And speaking of the two defensemen thing, in 2018-19, the Sharks were able to integrate uh, Carlson and Burns together, at least when Carlson was healthy. There was a a January-December stretch that season when Carlson was, at least in my mind, uh, arguably the best player in the world. And that's the best stretch that he's played as a San Jose Sharks player. Uh, Not to say that there aren't challenges with integrating uh, players to uh, kind of kingpin defensemen. When the Sharks traded for Carlson, the automatic thought was, well, duh, let's put Burns and Carlson on a power play and let Burns, you know, crank one-timers all day long off Carlson's passes. That's going to work brilliantly. And that has not worked at all. Uh, They've tried to put Carlson and Burns on on the same power play for Three consecutive seasons to start: 2018, 19, 2019, and 20. The last year, and every year uh, by about a quarter in a the season, they just give up on it. It just hasn't been working. And part of why it hasn't been working is just uh, because Carlson and Burns, I think, are they're uh, puck dominant players, so they don't really play quite as well off the puck. Uh, that's just not their game. It's not a, uh, really a, a negative on, on either of them. You know, Brent Burns basically was being used with Carlson as if he, were, he was Alexander Ovechkin. And Burns is a different player than Ovechkin, and his shot is different than, than Ovechkin. So anyway, so that's the kind of thing that happens when uh, when you have basically two kingpin guys like that, and they can't play together like that on the same power play. Then what happens, right? Then you've got to distribute the power play time. Someone's got to take the first unit. Someone's got to take the second unit of the power play. And that usually means the difference in talent, too, level, right, between the first unit and the second unit. And so with that you know kind of comes a dip in, in stats um, and maybe the dip in stats also can contribute to a lesser confidence you know if you're a shaa theater um, but I don't think it's anything systemic though um it's uh, it's again it's more purely about a usage and a deployment and kind of getting the opportunities at the big moments right and so anyway, with Shay theater, I would say that he's the kind of i mean he's such a talented player and uh, it's such a luxury to have have him just kind of available as your secondary defenseman and so i think when it comes to a big moment uh, be it in the in the playoffs or whatever right to have a guy like that available to you if if the uh, opposition is concentrating on uh Peter Angelo your top pairing or your top line right to have somebody kind of waiting in the wings like that in your say your second pairing or your second power play unit i'm not sure how they deploy uh, Peter Angelo in theater but uh, to have someone like that kind of uh, in the wings uh, is sort of a, a depth that's, that's priceless and that can win you a playoff game or a playoff series. And so, you know, it's one of those things that I think you got to have patience with it, and hopefully it turns around for Seder in Vegas because he's a fabulous, fabulously talented player. Um, yeah. But, you yeah, know, I think it's a good problem to have, though, I guess, in the end. Though. You know, if it's not working out now, uh, you can – try to find ways to, to make it work
1: out. Yeah, and there's plenty of time left, and, and DeBoer and, and his coaching staff will figure that out, hopefully by, by postseason time. Real quick, before I let you go, uh, the Sharks have faced uh, some some competitive teams like Vegas this year. Who Out of these three teams, who do you think is uh, a deeper threat? The Wild, the Jets, or the Blues? Mm, that's
3: a, a good question. Um, well... Uh, based on how the the sharks have played them, the sharks actually took three, two or three against the the Jets, um, and then they split against the Wild, and they lost their one game one game against the Blues. But overall, uh, I, I like how, how how the Wild play. They 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 play together. You know, four line team. Uh, they actually play kind of like the I think the way the Sharks want to play. Uh, a lot of grinding, forechecking. Of course, the Wild are, are a bigger team, and so that that kind of helped. But. Kind of a grinding forechecking defense-first style, and they pull it off better than the Sharks because the Wilds are a deeper, more talented team. Um, I think St. Louis though is is uh, they've they've done a nice job of kind of recovering from the, the loss of a Angelo and they also play a very good uh, a team structure uh, style. And so I would say that Minnesota and St. Louis, to me, strike uh, the, of those three teams, strike me as sort of the most serious competition uh, for for the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and especially with the Blues and the chatter about possibly going out and getting Ben Sherratt. I mean they're they're in my opinion defensively they're deep and big, and I think that that can really go far in the postseason. So. I you know I look at all three of those teams and and I think they're potentially teams that could make deep runs in the West. Obviously Vegas is there and they're going to have to go through Vegas and Colorado, but yeah, it's just interesting to see what happens, you know, from from another perspective and seeing how the Sharks play against those teams. And it seems like they've had some uh, some half decent success. So um, well, Shang, I appreciate it. I always love talking to you. We we talk off uh, off air a lot, and it usually takes um, you know two or three hours of us talking <laughs> hockey. So, uh, cutting it down to uh, how, however long we did is uh, pretty impressive.
3: Yeah, yeah, we should uh, record uh, our and uh, make an outtake podcast sometime. Just just put it just slap it on somewhere and and see how it does.
1: Well, it can get vulgar, so uh, we'll have to find the proper... Uh, I don't think we can do that on Vegas Hockey Hotline, so... But Shang, is always, Shang Peng from San Jose Hockey Now. Thanks again, and uh, what, what's your what's your Twitter again? Uh, Shang underscore Peng. There you go. Pretty easy. Thanks, pal. Appreciate it. Yep, anytime. Talk to you later. Well, there you go. I mean, some other, you know, Pacific Division insight. I always find it, you know... It's funny because we live in such a Vegas kind of world. Obviously, we're in Las Vegas, and so much content we we read and hear is basically just Golden Knights content, and we don't get a chance to kind of buzz around the league. And speaking of that, one of the best—listen, I I might be able to hide my Boston accent, but one guy that can't is my friend Mark Lenhan and he's— He's with the Boston University Hockey broadcast. He's the color commentator and a guy that knows well, one of the biggest biggest storylines in Vegas history. I think Jack Eichel coming up. Let's get some insight, Mark. First of all, how you doing?
0: Yeah, he can park the car right over there.
1: The <laughs> <laughs> so listen, all right, it's coming soon, and there's there's uh, there's a possibility that he's I, I don't know, he might be here today because the Golden Knights blocked off uh, their practice facility, so I, he could be in town now. But I I had to pick your brain, let let these people know what are they getting from Jack Eichel.
0: Well, I, I, I would—I'd like to think he was there instead of here because uh, we're getting snow here. It's days like this where people—people people from your old hometown—hate you. Uh, well, it's pretty much every day, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, let's—you know—going on the premise that he's healthy, I just don't think you have any idea of what kind of a special hockey player that you guys are getting out there.
1: Are <laughs> you're talking about his high-level skill, his hot, his ice IQ. Oh. I mean what about what about his his demeanor, his his ability to play in tough moments, tough t- you know, tough games. I mean he really hasn't played in many.
0: Well yeah, I don't think you can fault him for that. He was stuck up in Buffalo. I think he kinda of sucked it up, he became a leader up there. Um I mean you know what it's like. You're from <clears throat> excuse me, you're from the city back here. And I don't think Buffalo was a place where, where you can really shine as much <laughs> as I think he'll I think he'll embrace Vegas a little bit. I think it's kind of what he was looking for. He, um, you know, he did the job in Buffalo. For him. He was a captain. He, you know, he signed an extra contract. He could have left a few years ago, and uh, you know, thought he had something going up there. But I think, you know, I'm not saying I'm his best friend. I know him. I saw him play his college games. I see him a little bit in the summertime around Fenway Park. He's a big Red Sox fan, and uh, I just think that this is the perfect matchup for him: the city, and the player, and the in the team.
1: You know, I, it, it's funny because from what I've known, of Eichel, I've seen and, and and I've interviewed him before, and he kind of you know busted my chops a little. So I really enjoyed go. I really enjoyed his uh, personality, and of course, to being two Massachusetts natives, you know, I, hey, listen, I, I can take the you know the busting a little bit, but yeah, his did. first first press conference here, uh, a lot of the fans said afterwards was, boy, this guy's boring. And you know, I got—I got to admit, overall the Golden Knights are a fairly boring team. Their business as usual, and I appreciate that because they're a very good team. Is Eichel, Where's Where's Eichel? Is he a little bit in between? I think I prefer.
0: I don't. I don't think he's boring at all. I think he probably just was nervous about saying the right things without having to hurt it or anything. But I'll tell you what—I'll take him being boring in the uh, press box and let him go play on the ice. That's not <laughs> going to be a big factor to me because. I think that the skill level this kid has is just, he's one of those kids, Jason, I think you have to see on a regular basis to really appreciate him, you know what I mean? You don't really watch a lot of Buffalo highlights, mainly there aren't any, but secondly, <laughs> um, you know, just watching him day in and day out, the little things that you're going to see out of him, just the way that he handles the puck, his hockey sense, uh, I mean, he just does everything well. He's just a, He just seems to be, you know, I think it's a perfect matchup for a team with the talent that you guys have out there, and um uh, I mean,
1: I can't say enough good things about his hockey ability. When he hit the scene at BU, I mean, it was a big deal. I I remember being told when he was, I don't know, 14, 15, people telling me back home saying, hey, this kid Eichel is real, you know, pay attention to him when he goes to BU. He's going to be a top pick. Obviously he would have been a top pick in any other draft, but obviously Connor McDavid was ahead of him. But when he hit the scene at BU, I mean, how wild was it? I mean, and, and, and also how much did he just control the other, the other uh, teams and, and, and opponents?
0: Yeah, he played for David Quinn, who obviously, uh, excuse me, has an NHL background and, was a good matchup for him. Quinnie doesn't take any crap from anybody. Not that this kid was going to give you any, but I mean, just the skill level and watching him in practice. And I think the, you know, you talk about his goal scoring ability, but I think his puck handling and passing. You know, BU Hall of Fame coach Jack Parker called him Larry Bird on skates. I mean, just the way that he passes the puck. And I'm not sure that he had the talent to pass it to him in Buffalo that he's going to have in your town. Yeah. And um, I mean, just the skill. He just. He's just got a, he's got the, that, that hockey IQ brain, you know what I mean? Just the, the little things that you see him do. And I think a lot of times in the, you know, I didn't see him a lot in Buffalo, but a lot of those passes went to invisible guys, you know? <laughs> I think you're going to see, uh, I tell you what I wouldn't mind being a wing for him that's for sure yeah, he just I, gets the puck around he does everything well
1: and you know I mean the, the Golden Knights are just so deep right now and who yeah. knows what's going to happen with their cap situation how are you gonna cheat? How, yeah I was going to say how are you going to cheat to get him on the roster well that, that, that's the thing I mean with so many injuries lined up we don't know how yeah, long Paci- well, yeah. yeah, who knows how long Pacioretty's going to be out <laughs> for uh, you know we don't have much information about uh, you know Robin Leonard although he'll be back I'm not worried about Leonard yeah. and you know these guys, they're they're older guys and they're nicked up, so you don't want nagging injuries going into the postseason, so we don't know what's going... I mean, it's basically a wait-and-see at this point, but yeah. the one thing I think that fans are are excited about is if... And, and you and I have talked about it. Eichel on the third line sounds ridiculous because, yeah. you know, how can you bury a kid with this much talent? <laughs> maybe Maybe you do that to start, you know, to break him in a couple of games, but... I mean, you're wasting him if, if he's only getting third-line minutes.
0: Yeah, that's, that's that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, obviously, let's get him back healthy and see what the deal is that way for him. But I think that, you know, I, I think just from talking to people that he knows, that Buffalo is just a small-town mentality. You know, he couldn't really hide. Not that he wanted to hide, but, I mean, even just going out for a beer or something like that. You know what I mean? I, I, it got a little difficult for him in the end, I think. Um, you, know, he, he, you know how it is in Boston. People kind of leave you alone a little bit. And, he liked the idea of you know, like I said before, he's a big Red Sox fan, and hanging around Fenway, and just having a few beers and being a regular guy. I think the Vegas fit is absolutely perfect for him. That's why <clears throat> I was telling you all along that's where he was going to end up because it just made too much sense for me. And I the, just don't see him uh, a third line kid. That's for sure. Yeah, and unless I, you got the best, unless you got the best first two lines in the history of hockey. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, they're good, but they're not, uh, you know, they're yeah. they're not uh, what we've seen in the past from from championship teams. But you know, I I think. The power play will – I mean, they need an upgrade on the power play, and I think he's it. Um, Like you said about his puck handling ability, his passing. I mean, frankly, they got Max Pacioretty. You know, they they don't need need Eichel to be putting up 40 goals. They just need Eichel to be dishing uh, assist after assist. And if he's playing with Pacioretty and Stone, I mean, those guys' numbers, they're already big. They're just going to keep growing.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like I said, we talked about this a few weeks ago, me and you, and that I just don't think I've seen you know, I like I said, I haven't really you know, it's not like I've watching every Buffalo game, that's for sure, but I know of his talent well enough to know that he can put the puck on people's sticks and so if I was his wings, I'm pretty happy buying him some presents because I'm the happiest guy in town to have him there. <laughs> I just don't think I, I just don't think I think the fact that he was in Buffalo for so long is just a lot of people even you know, pay attention to hockey. You're just not aware of his talent because you haven't really seen it. You know, just not not that he hasn't put it out there, but number one, he was on a horrible team, and number two, it was in
1: Buffalo. Yeah, and they and they rarely showed Buffalo on you know no. national TV. So I mean, for Vegas fans, they barely know him, and when they see him, oh, it's just going to be one of those things that it's 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 a different it's a different animal, it really is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, listen, uh, great <laughs> chatting with you as always. I got to wrap up. But, um, you know, hey, listen, uh, every, uh, when when do we uh, g- give us a little plug on yours and Anthony Pepe's show that I get to join you guys? And uh yeah. I love chatting.
0: Sports, Sports Map Radio tomorrow night, hopefully. Pepe's been on the uh, COVID IR himself this week, so we'll see what happens. But uh, Sports Map Radio, 8 to 10 weeknights. I'm usually on Thursdays, and you'll be batting lead off tomorrow night. Hey, I appreciate hey, it. Listen, I get to cross off being on your show off my bucket list. Now,
1: finally, <laughs> well, I'm glad you do. I'm, <laughs> hey, thank, thanks for calling me, and, and uh, great chatting you, you. Thanks, Mark.
0: Thanks, buddy. Good luck. See you. Yep.
1: All right, so there you go. You know, I was able to make it through the hour, filling in for the big guy. Uh, and, you know, listen, if it's hockey, I could talk about it for hours upon hours. You probably don't want to hear me talk about it for hours upon hours. But if you do, go check out the Simbin podcast. Ken Bulke and I, we, uh, we, we, we uh, dig into it for a while. But I want to thank everybody here, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. I believe Stevie Slapshot is in, and uh, we'll, we'll, I'll get him going, too. So I uh, appreciate Keep going. Okay, so we're going to just chat out for one more minute. I listen, I, I'm a fill in here, so I'm you know, I, i'm 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 taking the wrong cues. Brian is such a uh, pro at this. He knows what to do. Tomorrow night, I'm excited about tomorrow night's game. I think all of us are, uh, you know, there's gonna be a big crowd. there's gonna be a big crowd in the building. They're gonna cheer for gallant. They're gonna cheer for Reeves. But I think as soon as that's over, the Golden Knights fans are going to realize that they're rooting for the Golden Knights. They want them to win the game. They want, to beat, they want them to beat their old coach. It's just one of those things that's competitive. It's going to be a fun game. I hope everybody watches. Um, and you know, I mean, frankly, these are the games that I get up for. These are the you know, last night, uh, the, the Winnipeg game and this Rangers game. when Vegas is playing high, high competition, this is when I personally get excited, and I think Vegas Golden Knights fans do as well. So with that in mind, uh, tomorrow Stevie and I will probably get into it a little bit more. And, uh, you know, for the most part, we'll have some information, maybe have some uh, quotes from Reeves or Gallant pregame. So we'll, we'll chat about that. But uh, go over Simbid not Vegas. Ken put up a great article today talking about Chandler Stevenson. Obviously the biggest surprise, I think, for Vegas this year can it continue? Will it continue? And what will happen once Eichel, you know, again, I, I know it's nice to talk about Eichel on the third line, and Stevenson's been playing so well that it's tough to move him. But for the most part, I think what's going to happen is Stevenson or Carlson is going to have to see less minutes. I, I, I don't know. I mean, is that, is that appropriate? You know, will, will Chandler sort of figure out what he needs to do To stay there Or will he just accept Dropping a line And being a depth center Like he was in the past I don't know All I know is It was great filling in for Brian Talk to you guys later Tomorrow with Stevie Slapshot